DJ PK and Chris Camerani join us. Writes for the Athletic, covers the University of Utah, and he joins us right now in the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing all right. So Kyle Whittingham had his uh, his first weekly press conference, which I think is because of the early Thursday game. That's going to be the last media availability, right? You're not going to talk to him again, are you? Uh, we will not be hearing from anybody at the U until the clock hits zero, probably sometime at 2 a.m. <laughs> Friday <laughs> nice morning. At 2 a.m. Oh, man. So uh, did you pick anything up? Did you find it particularly revealing with the ready-to-roll comment? Uh, I, I kind of thought Moss was going to play, but Covey, I wasn't as sure. He seemed pretty confident if you take it at face value. Do you take it at face value? Um, I think so. I, I was able to talk to Britton last week and kind of get a sense on where he was physically. And Britton's always an honest guy, and I'm sh- I don't know if the, the coaching staff necessarily loves that, but he said he had been dealing with some residual pain in his knee, but it, it had gone away. And I just think that's a byproduct of having a you know major surgery on a major part of your body. And, and Britton's a guy that's hasn't rushed back, but he's been eager to get back, and he's pushed the limits, and that's just kind of a, a byproduct of, of what he has going on in, him, in, in terms of his rehab. So I, I would guess if I, was, uh, if I was a fly on the wall, which I'm not, I would guess he's on a pitch count Thursday in Provo. That would be my guess. So what's this deal about nude water skiing? <laughs> you can't bury the lead, PK. You taught me that. Um, so I did, a, I did a story on The Athletic that just went up this morning about uh, kind of an oral history on Kyle Whittingham's playing days at BYU uh, in honor of this rivalry game. It's the 100th rivalry game in the history of Utah-BYU. And I personally had never heard stories of what Kyle was like as a player. I would heard some secondhand stories, so I wanted to kind of go to the source and just uh, – reach out to a bunch of guys from the glory days and luckily a lot of the guys got back to me and um i was able to talk to jim mcmahon for a few minutes and i'd heard that if you get jim on the phone you'll get some good stories and uh jim bless his heart he delivered and um was telling me stories of how kyle used to take fred's boat out on utah lake and jim would just be in the sunglasses water skiing and Kyle would purposely veer the boat towards everyone else, and as Jim says, quoted, we just give him a wave. Give him a wave. Now, that could be taken multiple ways. Could it? That's the point. Yes. Isn't and that you the intended point? it to be taken multiple ways. <laughs> well, well, Jim said it. I was just quoting him directly. You know, I'm just doing my journalistic integrity duty. I know you are. I understand. I understand. You're you're just the writer of the piece, so to speak. Yeah. I'm just here so I don't get fired. That's what I say every day I show up. So, Vysik Hammond in the story says, everybody's got a Kyle Whittingham story. One of your favorites is? Um, as, as good as the... Kyle driving uh, Jim McMahon nude around Utah Lake is good. I think Vi's story about almost missing the Holiday Bowl in 1980, which turned out to be one of the kind of premier wins in program history, was really was really hilarious because Vi was saying that back in the day you could choose not to take the team charter and you could get a, a stipend 
in order to get some money for for gas money, for food money, if you could catch a ride down to the bowl game. And Vi basically struck out. It was his freshman year, and he didn't have a lot of clout within the team, and he basically almost got left outside the Smithfield house. And he was waiting there. Everybody had left. The plane had taken off. And here comes Kyle and Tom Holmo ready to uh, drive Tom's old Dodge. I think, I think Vi said it was a Charger. I'm not mistaken, but I'll have to go back to my notes. They're ready to drive down to uh, to San Diego, and Kyle and Tom are like, what are you doing here, man? And Vi said, I don't have a ride. I'm kind of screwed. And they said, ah, hop in with us. And they were seniors, or they were juniors at the time. Um, but it was hilarious to, to, to think that one of the most important kind of historic games in BYU history, a game that Vi ended up running a punt back for a touchdown in almost didn't happen because he didn't even have a ride to uh, the Holiday Bowl. What I find interesting, Chris, is Kyle has a very complicated relationship now with BYU, but yet he has a very intense relationship with many of his former teammates who are very loyal to him and have stuck by him and he them. But yet the school, with the nature of the rivalry, is sort of fractured to an extent. Have you been able to find that out? Well, I I think to your point, what people were willing to kind of talk about was just their personal one-on-one history with Kyle. And I think that goes to show, I mean, if Jim McMahon will just get back to a random no-name reporter within like a few hours after sending out an email, I think that goes to show that, you know, that the impact that Kyle had on not only the program and the school, but his teammates, it, it went pretty far. And then this, this was kind of a theme that kind of continued throughout my week last week was just, you know, for no pun intended, throwing Hail Marys and, and you know, people getting back. Um, in terms of his relationship with the school, nobody really got it. So I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough. You go back to when, you know, Kyle was picking and choosing between Utah and BYU back in the day. He chose Utah. I know, you know, fans and some people were upset about that, but it was fascinating to just hear who Kyle was before the headset. And like I said, I'd heard stories of um, how intense he was and how kind of no nonsense he was. So in a sense, he's still that guy today. But just hearing stories of how he was kind of uh, one of Fred's uh, tentacles out on the field and just carrying out these 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 uh not hits I'm not saying kyle was an assassin on the field but just hearing some guys kind of describe the way kyle was an extension of fred on the field was also cool too chris camerani joining us utah utes writer for the athletic so you get all these quotes and you are a deep thinker and i don't say that to, to you know, make fun or all that but I, <laughs> and i knew you'd do that i knew you'd laugh right away but i'm serious like you think and you think what does that mean and you think what does that mean and you think well what do i need to ask or what's the next story i can write off of this so you hear these stories about kyle back in the day but it informs you what he's like as a coach what do you think you know about him as a coach now because you heard all these stories from back in the day so that's a great question. I've basically learned that Kyle is a slightly less intense version of Fred. I'd heard Fred stories before, um, but I, with being able to hear how Fred and Kyle's relationship was as um, coach player, then you know you heard about how you know Kyle brought Fred on as the coach under his staff in the '90s at Utah. Um, they always said that you know Fred was kind of the peak. In the Whittingham Index, like Fred was number one, without a doubt, most intense, most intimidating. Um, 
then Kyle, I mean, even his siblings have told me he's like, he's, he's pretty close, but it's, it's fascinating to see how, with every coach, where they pick up, you know, tendencies from who they've played for or who they've played with over the years. My guess for me, or not my guess, but learning from what I learned from this piece last week, it was definitely that Kyle is very much his father's son. Yeah, I can buy that for sure. That's his greatest influence. Uh, it's the only time I've ever seen him get choked up when I was in his office talking about his dad a few years after he passed. And so it's still a very, it was an intense relationship and, and to an extent still is. You know, one of the things about Kyle to the public is that he comes off as this real tough guy. And he's mellowed a little bit in terms of interviews, you know, and he and I, we like to go back and forth and jab each other. And that's made its way out into some uh, public domain, either through social media and TV. And I know you've seen it. And so you get another side of him. But I'm wondering if you've been able to, to see the side of the stuff that he does out there that is so much behind the scenes and it catches people off guard because he does stuff for people and i can speak to this personal experience of he'll do things for you and your family that you don't even necessarily know he's doing and i think we saw it a little bit uh the other day when he starts his press conference with a tribute to brad rock no right. one told him to do that. He just decided to do that. You've been able to see that a little bit of what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I've definitely heard some some stories relayed my way. And to be honest, PK, that's definitely something that I would love to explore and, and write for the athletics. So I'm not necessarily going to uh, tip my hand too much on, on stories that I've heard because these are stories that I'd love to you know go to Kyle too and say, hey, man, like, Tell me what's going on. You're not this. You're not totally this scary, intense dude that rides his huffy bike back to the Eccles football complex after scrimmages at you know Rice Eccles. But um, to your point, yes, he does a lot, and I'm guessing he would love it to stay in the periphery yeah, and not in the forefront. No and that's just his personality. And that, and credit to him. Like like I said, I'll probably go to Kyle and say, hey, man. I want to talk to you about this, and he can say, nah. And then I'll say, okay. And that's just kind of part of my job. But also part of my job is is kind of being able to peel back the curtain a little bit and go beyond the X's and O's. As much people love the X's and O's, trust me, I know. To me, I'm more fascinated about the, the sports as a mechanism to who people are. Yeah, there's a million stories out there like that, uh that I could share that I've been I've been exposed to with this guy and the stuff he does on the side that nobody knows about and what's ironic is that when I was a freshman in high school I owned a Huffy bicycle I mean that's incredible (laughs) I think I, I think I had a Huffy when I was a kid too I think it was a little earlier than high school so you hear all these stories, and there's funny stuff from his playing days, and there's um, uh, there's the touching stuff he does now for people, and yet when he puts the headset on during a game, look out! Uh, yeah, did that did that come through in all these stories too? Um, not. Re- I mean, it was more just a, a focus on the playing days, so late seventies, early eighties. Um, but one of my one of the other favorite stories that I got was. 
from Greg Peterson, who was a former defensive back. Um, he was the lone Canadian on that, U, that BYU team back in the day. And um, he said that at practice, the wide receivers would always get yappy and talk trash, go back and forth. And eventually this, this one wide receiver who he didn't name kind of just kept going, kept going, and Fred kept hearing it. So eventually Greg said that he saw Fred just kind of nod at Kyle during practice. And back then, practice was like a game. Like it was full on, full pads, knock the other guy out. So Fred looks at Kyle, Greg says, and the ball's hiked and this dude's coming across the middle on a crossing route. And he said just Kyle just levels him to the point where he decleats him basically and he's, his feet leave the ground and he comes down on his back and gets the wind knocked out of him and Greg Peterson looks over at Fred and Fred just has this giant grin on his face. So it, it it's not necessarily a headset story, but I could definitely see Kyle enjoying something along those lines now as a head coach. Hmm. You want headset stories? You need to tr- talk to Troy Taylor. He can give you a few. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Troy these days? Is he in Sacramento? I love Sacramento. Sac State. Yeah, they got the Devils in week two. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Herm's not going to Sacramento. No. We're coming after you, Troy. Hey, Troy would never tell you those stories, but I heard them during the two years that uh, he was coaching under Kyle. That's for sure. <laughs> Chris Camarani joining us here, Utah Utes writer for The Athletic. Uh, do you have any uh, little bits of wisdom to pass along to Ute fans Uh, You said you know they love the X's and O's. Anything you can tell them about the rivalry game Thursday night? What are you you watching for, the specific players, matchups, situations that intrigue you? Uh, I'm guessing I'm just going to say the whole game. No. Um, I'm I'm fascinated to see how Andy Ludwig's offense looks the first few drives. I think that's the one for me. I think Utah's defense is stacked and filled with – future NFL talents all over the board and those guys were in that game last year and they're probably a little mad that Zach Wilson made them look bad for three quarters for me the story of this game is going to be how Utah's offense gets going in Andy's first game back Kyle said yesterday they're they're a run first team and they have a they have a lot of good options at running back I mean even behind Zach Devontae Henry Cole Jordan Wilmore even Devin Brumfield. These are all dudes who are kind of from the same mold, small, stout, strong, fast. Um, so I'm fascinated to see if Andy comes out and, and tries to push around that BYU defensive line or does he mix it up and get Tyler comfortable with a few throws. Uh, we'll see. I, I also think it's going to be huge if, if Britain isn't 100% and, and can't you know, play the entire game to his full 100% capabilities, uh, who steps up on the on the outside because they're going to need some wide receivers to make some big plays to open it up for the running game. I just found it fascinating that Lee Corso and Chris Camerani, two leading experts in college football, <laughs> both picked the Utes to go to the playoff. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're. Uh, I've heard that they know their stuff. No, they I'm do. Gonna have to go on the. I'm going to have to go on the athletics somewhere and see where Chris wrote about that. that that's probably a pretty <laughs> red story. Well, I don't know if he actually wrote it. He just told me oh, okay. one day where we were killing oh, okay. time. Yeah. yeah was I thought maybe that was, that was that on the record or off the record? I don't remember. Uh, somewhere in between. That's where I live my okay, life. Okay, in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gray zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny line, and yet it's true. <laughs> 
few people can master the way PK has. I'll say that. There it is. All right, Chris, we appreciate a few minutes, as always, and then you can uh, check out your story on The Athletic for all the stories about uh, Kyle from back in the day, guys who knew him in the 70s. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. All I right. appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Chris Camerani, The Athletic, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, some feedback we're getting from Ute and Cougar fans coming up. It's all in the final half hour on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. BYU's first depth chart of the season shows graduate transfer running back Tyson Williams, the clear starter at running back Lopini Cateau, and fellow grad transfer Emmanuel Asupa are backing him up at that position. Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham telling the media that star running back Zach Moss and Britton Covey are ready to roll Thursday in their opener at BYU. Longtime Washington State backup quarterback Anthony Gordon has been named the starter for the 23rd-ranked Cougars season opener against New Mexico State. Major League Baseball, Yankees beat the Mariners 5-4. They have a half-game lead over the Astros in the race for the best record in the American League. Padres beat the Dodgers 4-3. And the Phillies get a home run from Bryce Harper, just back from paternity leave, his 28th of the year. Phillies beat the Pirates 6-5. Bees beat El Paso 11-3. They've seen two teams tonight, 7 o'clock, on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond Airport Parking has fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle services, detail oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport, with the best rewards program in Utah. It's the only airport valet service in Utah. Park right and safe just off I-80 and Redwood Road. That's Diamond Airport Parking. The 2019 season begins this week, and what better way to kick off the season than... The Holy War. Listen all week as the Zone Sports Network gets you ready for another chapter of the BYU-Utah rivalry. Then, on game day... Legendary. Catch the Holy War pregame show beginning Thursday at 6 at JCW's in Provo. They gonna talk about me. Your home for the best Holy War coverage in Utah is right here. Legendary. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, I saw Andrew right before he went to Indianapolis for training camp, and he was in great spirits. He was really excited uh, about the season. Um, and uh, he just kind of mentioned yeah, he'd been kind of fighting through something, but I think I'll be okay. So uh, it was one of those things. He went into training camp ready to go and excited about the team that they had, he had around him. Um, so I was surprised when it happened. David Shaw, Stanford football coach, on Andrew Luck, the former Stanford Cardinal star, the number one pick in the draft, seven years in the NFL. Well, Five, really, when you subtract the two for injuries. And now retiring really prematurely and catching David Shaw and everybody else off guard. But, PK, I said this earlier in the show, I think there's a difference between lower body and upper body injuries. And I I didn't really register with me until Emmett Smith had him in back-to-back years. And he's like, yeah, I don't run on my shoulder. Yeah, I ran for 200 yards with a separated shoulder, but you don't run on your shoulder. And I just... There's just this feeling, you know, that Andrew Luck and whatever calf, ankle, or both problems he's been battling here, when you can't walk 
and you've been going through repeated stuff and you can't walk without pain and discomfort, and then you're going to go out and let yourself get beat up for 16 more games, you're thinking, how am I going to walk around for the rest of my life? It's no wonder he wanted to bail. It's no wonder more guys don't. And maybe a lot of guys do because so many guys aren't stars and they are gone after three or four years in the league. And that just that constant constant pain you can't just you can't even you know walk around a costco or a target or whatever you can't walk to a park that's just got to wear you out yeah i think too when you have to have the big time rehab and it takes so much out of you and i think that you know with him being a high profile quarterback it's a little different but i'm talking to david nixon a few years back and he played in the league and then he got injured. I think it was a knee injury. I'd have to double-check that, what he told me the story. And he could have tried to come back with the opportunity to make it. Now, Andrew you know, is a more uh, renowned player and a prolific player, so it's more of a surprise. But I think there's a bunch of guys like that to where, well, okay, I could go through all this rehab, and then I might make a roster. And then they look at it and say, yeah, I just, you know, pros and cons. And the cons outworry the outnumber the pros, which is, I think, what you get in football. And his is a pro- high-profile example of that. But then we look like at a guy like Barry Sanders. Maybe Barry Sanders had it right all along. And it was a surprise because we expect these guys to chase greatness until the very end, a la Tom Brady and Drew Brees. On the other hand, there's these dudes like this who have had these multiple injuries, and they look at it, or the prospect of being injured and they say enough is enough so I respect that for sure college football news Washington State going with a backup quarterback Anthony Gordon not the grad transfer this kind of goes against the norm a guy who stays on campus is a backup for a couple years red shirts whatever been in the program for multiple years this isn't how it works this is a flashback PK uh, it is to a degree, yeah. I have to admit I was surprised by that, but it's game one. You know, We'll see what happens yep. when they get to uh, game four or five whenever they play the Utes. Uh, but for the start, yeah, it's a, it's a nice story in that you get to see somebody who stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck it out, and then is getting rewarded with an opportunity. I got to admit, uh, I was surprised by that. And then I wondered, well, if it's tied, is he going to that trying to send a message to guys? But given how soft the start of their schedule is, maybe he's, okay, I'm going to give you a game here. But ultimately, a lot of these position battles, and I think it's going to happen with both the Utes and the Cougars, probably the Aggies too, given how much change they have. Yeah, you sort it out and you have a depth chart going into the first game, but you know you're going to play a couple running backs or you know you're going to play a couple corners and rotate guys through. And it's especially, I think, at running back where guys and quarterback, those two positions where those guys don't get hit the way they're going to get hit in a game. How do they play through contact in a game is a big part of it. And Washington State's got New Mexico State and Northern Colorado in their first two games. And then they upgrade to Houston and UCLA. So they got two games here to let the battle go on. Although you hate to change quarterbacks, um, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if Leach was uh, being a little cagey here. Uh, I would agree with that because they do have a soft schedule to start out with, and you know once the conference schedule starts, then it's ready to go. So we'll see how that develops over the course of the next few weeks. All right, uh, other things we've been talking about. We had Lincoln Kennedy on, and he uh, talked a lot about the rumors at USC that Urban Meyer uh, is waiting in the wings if things go south with Clay Helton. But then he threw out that uh, maybe there's a link to UCLA. Maybe Chip Kelly's got his eye on something bigger and better. I had not heard that. Had you heard that? 
Oh, yeah. I think he's definitely got his eye on Utah when Kyle retires in a few years. He's bigger and better. Nah, I see what you're doing there. Now you're just mixing it up. <laughs> just messing around this now. Is the guy in Football Scoop wrote that Mike Tomlin would be the next coach at USC. An interesting hire, but a very USC hire. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Clay Hilton kills it. <laughs> has a good year and gets everybody get get to 10 wins and get everybody uh, off his back. Yeah, I love to see football coaches be rewarded. Guys who are grinders, guys who put in the time to do it and then get an opportunity. You know, sometimes they fail, for sure. And I would like to, I would just like to see him, whatever that standard is, and at SC the standard is higher than at most places, so I'm not sure I could define it this particular year. But I'm interested, obviously, to see how it develops. And I would like to see him do enough to keep his job i mean i it, it's uh, to me it's like with uh i was talking about yesterday i don't really obviously root against a root for the university of arizona but i love to watch khalil tate play and i'd like to see him have success so i'm not an sc fan by any stretch but in a dichotomy i would like to see clay helton have success i know that it can't really be opposites they can't lose and have him keep his job that would be the best of the both for me but it's not going to happen uh, so he's going to have to win, and the SC people are going to define what the level of expectation is this year, uh, what the realistic one is. And is it nine wins? Is it ten wins? Is it eight wins? You know, where are they on that scale? Uh, and we'll see how that plays out. And they, they have a really tough schedule. My gosh, they do not play a team with a losing record from last year until Game 7 against Arizona. And they're playing four ranked teams in the first six, and that doesn't obviously include BYU and Fresno, who are not walks in the park either. But they've got all these ranked teams, as of now anyway, with Stanford, Utah, Washington, and then Notre Dame. So I think it's not until Saturday, October 19th, I want to say, that they play Arizona, a team that has a losing record from last year. That is a tough schedule. I mean, you look at BYU, we're making a big deal about BYU's schedule, their first four games, where two of those four had losing records last year. For a guy who doesn't like to break down schedules, that was rock solid. I enjoyed every second of that. You nailed it. Well, uh, this is the implications of the schedule I, going I, yeah, forward. Yeah, I would say for, for Clay Helton, any, not any other coach, most other coaches – at most other programs, you know, if you have a couple of 10-win seasons, I think actually had a 10- and 11-win season, and a rose and a cotton bowl, and then he has the 5-7. and seven. Most places, I think you're back to 8-4, and four, you're fine. I think if he goes 8-4, and four, SC will make a change. I, think, I, I don't think know that. I can't say that for sure. What's I don't either. What's the complexion that's of 8-4? That that's why I said I think. Um, but I think they'll make a change. I, if, Be- I think he's got to get to 9. Okay, maybe so. You know, not all eight and fours are created equal either. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, the, but the, the the game that they lost to the Bruins last year that was completely and totally embarrassing. That's not going to work. And I was standing on the sidelines when they were getting beat up pretty good by Utah. And Lynn Swan, their athletic director, was there, and he was standing right next to Tim Tessalone, the long, long time sports information director. He was sports information director when I was there back in the early nineties, and just looking at them and watching them you could tell there was a lot of angst on that sideline at rice eccles and if you're embarrassed that's not going to work so if sc is eight and four with four embarrassing losses yeah then you're certainly on to something 
All right, DJ and PK, that's a lot of uh, what we have been talking about this morning. We've been taking uh, predictions from people today on the Utes season. Uh, tomorrow on the Cougars season, uh, we'll have game predictions on Thursday. Uh, a lot of people coming in at 9-3, and 10-2. and two. But, you know, there are people out there, and it's a little hard to tell on social media sometimes who's uh, – <laughs> who's landed on thick just trolling trying to get a reaction who's dead serious there are people out there eight and four they mess up games every year one guy even said hey people are forgetting this team lost five games last year okay but we're looking at 12 and through 12 they were nine and three i mean they did lose the conference title game and they did lose their bowl game and maybe that'll happen again but we don't know who they're playing we don't even know if they're going to be in the conference title game what bowl they might be in so you got to set that aside and then also, when they lost those games, you know, they were down to a bunch of backups. If they have those injuries again this year, I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, and I'm pretty sure you'd say the same thing, if they've had those injuries again this year, we're totally rewriting the expectations. I don't think they're going to play through those and win the conference title. Uh, when, uh, you know, are they season-ending, and at what point are they season-ending? If they, in fact, are. If they miss a game or two... That's a different deal. you got to expect they're going to miss a, a game deal. or two. Right. As opposed to missing three or four and being done for yeah. the year. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's go to uh, the phones. And Rick, Rick, good morning. DJ, everybody's... Nobody knows nothing about the offensive line. How, if you have a new offensive line, you know nothing about them, can you pick them to win the league? the most important position. Say that again. You broke up a little bit. The offensive line. If you don't know enough about them, how can you pick them to win the league? <laughs> we're picking them to win position. the league. And remember, this is a team with expectations. Never plays well. 0-8 in eight years on any expectation game. And those aren't November games. Those are all October so they didn't win any know, expectation. They didn't win any expectation none, games last year. We'll get into Pac-12. No, no, they've won big games. DJ, they've won big games, but never a game. Hey, you win this, you're the front runner. I mean, that's not even a complete. Not even a. You know, we've had three games where we win the South Division. If we win, we of course we lost those. The other ones were in the driver's seat. We've lost those. I think last year and, Oregon in the driver's seat was a win, a win that they needed to get. And I got to admit, I was surprised that they got with what Jason week was Shelley that, DJ quarterback. or PK? It was what the was next that? to the last game, was it not? Yeah, it was after they lost ASU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a bad league. Now, what we have going for us is an easy schedule, a bad league. But I will tell this, as a lifetime gambler, I have never seen a bigger trap game in my life than this first game. It's their Super Bowl. It's, you, can't, you just can't fake their minds. This is a nothing game for us. Oh, I think, I think, but I think Kyle, I think Kyle's made it a something game because no, no, of where, because of where it sits on the schedule, Rick. You got the whole uh, off season to get ready for it, and you got two home games: Northern Illinois and Idaho State. Afterwards, I, I think he's going to have him fired up. Last year, right after you've clinched the division title, right before you play for the conference title, I you know okay, so that's a trap game. I, I'm not going to argue that, but I think the In way Provo, this the way this sets uh, up, a great quarterback. I mean, we have sort superior talent but all right this is setting up because even if we lose it it doesn't really affect us 
All right. Well, and, call and us back on. What's in their mind. If you're if they lose, call us back on Friday and remind us of your greatness, Rick. I have faith in your no, ability to do that. No, I'm not saying it that. I'm not saying it that way, DJ. But I'm just saying, wow. if you've ever gambled games, this is an ultimate trap game. All right, right hey, here. thanks for the call. All right, DJ and PK, now we got Bob, BYU Bob calling in. Bob, good morning. Hey, you guys, how you doing today? <laughs> doing well, how are you? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm stressed out, though. This week's been really hard. Why is um, that? I, I just take this really seriously. I mean, I'm 45 years old. I, 10 years old. You know, I was 10 years old when BYU won the national championship in 84. Uh, and, you know, I just am, this game, you know, the last little while has just gotten away from us and just happened to listen to that Ute on the radio prior to me. I mean, two things come across right away. He fits the arrogance of Utah perfectly. You know, he's already saying this is a nothing game, which, you know, just is their way of trying to put us down. And then the second thing is, you know, he's a filthy gambler. He does he does gambling for recreation. And it's just, uh, I just, that was a perfect prototypical Utah call right there. It really was, wasn't it, Bobby? Bobby. <laughs> I guarantee he's probably got tattoos and earrings and all that crap. Oh, so yeah. I just am, but my take on the game is this, guys. I mean, I have, so I told you, I was 10 years old when I won national championship, but he fought. Um, and so I got, I mean, I made it a pet project. I went around and got a, a remnant or a piece from every single player on the team, whether it be a piece of tape, a T-shirt, a wristband, face mask, and I've got a shine in my basement to the 84 team. Well, uh, dog trap. <laughs> Jock strap. And so the last few years, you know, I've spent Sorry. time with them prior to, to the, the game, and I've, I've you know, lit the room real nice. I played the fight song and that uh, and whatnot. And, and so this year, I'm just I'm showing them tough love. I'm neglecting them because Ooh, Bobby. something's got to something's got to change here, man. Like we got to, you know, I go out and work 12 hours a day on a farm here in Payson. I bust my butt, you know, so my family can get something out of it. But when I go to the games, man, I expect my team to win, and I'm tired of losing to these youths and. So I just want to start the week out with a battle cry right now. That you know, if you got kids at home or whatever, just neglect them for a couple days <gasps> and put all your focus and and power into thinking about this win. <laughs> is that really the it. right thing, Bobby? Bobby, is that righteous? Is that really the right thing to do in light of everything? Would you would you want that win at the neglect of your family? I I don't know about that, well, Bob. Well, I think it's I think you know you got to you got to weigh it. I mean. You know, there's lots of things in the Bible and Scripture where people are asked to do crazy stuff. You know, cut heads off and whatnot. Oh and, um, yeah. You yeah. know, I'm just I'm just saying, just ignore your kids and your loved ones for a couple of days and put all your power into thinking about BYU because I've done it before on big games, but I've never used it for the Utah game. I'm ready to use it for the Utah game because um, I'm tired of the arrogance and I'm tired of. Yeah, I live in Payson. I would have thought with that statement that cutting off heads, I would have thought you lived in Nephi. A little little further south, huh? Yeah, no, I'm just right here in the valley in Payson. Uh, We have a really good farm here. Provide lots to the, not only to the people, but the Bishop's storehouse and whatnot. How's that that temple in Payson, Bob? Is that really jacked up property values? 
it's jacked up property values. It's jacked up traffic. I'm not going to lie to you. There's way more no, traffic coming to through town, which I don't, which I don't like. But uh, yeah. the one thing Cars? that I do feel certain about is it, it has brought you know, it's brought a an easier opportunity to, to do good for the for the BYU athletes. I spend some time in there and reflect on yeah. them from time to time, wish them the best. You should, Bob. Appreciate it, Rob. All right, Bob. We got to run. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Don't be a stranger. Thanks, guys. Good talk to you. Don't be a stranger. Okay, bless uh, you. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> more traffic in Payson, which I'll be honest with you, I don't like. <laughs> All right. So, I think I learned about Bob is honest. You know, you got to say that. No, sure he is. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Chief Dodge Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. <laughs> And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Got people on our Facebook page, DJ and PK, coming up with their predictions. How's this year going to go? Troy says 10-2, and and no way do they lose to BYU. No way. 10-2 kind of seems by the book to me. That kind of seems pretty logical. Beat the Cougars, go seven and two in league. Split with the Washington schools, and somebody else gets them. They finally break through against one of those schools. They've struggled with both of them now for four or five years. But yeah, if they lose to both of them, they're in trouble. So yeah, I agree. They're going to have to get one of them for sure. Shane says, hopefully the Utes are zero one on Friday, and then downhill from there. Go <laughs> <laughs> sums Shane. it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> James, I sure hope the Y can knock the mighty Utes off their perch. I'm sick of you guys talking about them every day. I agree. If I were a BYU fan, I would totally agree. That's why I say this could be the best win that they – it will be the best win that they've ever had over the Utes if they get it. Uh, John says they're going 6-6. They're going to be devastated by injuries. Utah set six and six. Wow, man, that would that'd be, be a serious injury. That'd man. be a major, major disappointment. Well, they would have to be decimated. I mean, they would just have to ravage through the uh, lineup on both sides. Sean says they're going eight and four unless the old line finds some nastiness. Eight and four seems on a little bit of low side. Uh, yeah, the, the, the offensive line is going to have to be better than it was last year, I would think, because teams are going to be coming after these guys for sure. All right, DJ, PK, and Kent. Kent, joining us from Technoglass. Kent, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I, I love that conversation you had with Bob down and Payson. You like and that. I t- <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if he has a broken windshield tonight uh, or the or this this morning, but uh, it doesn't matter if your listeners are uh, BYU fans or, or Ute fans. Tetna Glass has an amazing deal for for all your listeners today until noon. Ninety nine dollar windshields. You heard it right. Uh, Seventy five dollar labor install. Over eighty five percent of the vehicles qualify. Now this deal is available statewide at all Tetna Glass locations. In fact, guys, we got over twenty five locations right now uh and the it also comes with those tetanus glass warranties that everybody's talking about now to get the 99 dollar windshield you don't have to get it done today all you have to do is call and get it scheduled so you can schedule it out a week or two if you need to uh to get that 99 dollar windshield call before noon today here's the number 801-562-2200 801-562-2200 guys you made my day this morning and i want to thank you for uh letting me be on your show back to you guys all right thank you kent thanks for coming on kent from technoglass online at technoglass.com and reaching by phone at 801-562-2200